Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. We're excited to announce our latest podcast launching this week called Behind the Billions. Coming from the two co-creators of Billions, Brian Koppelman and David Levine give a behind-the-scenes look into Billions Season 5. Following each episode's airing on Showtime, the podcast will impact the writing of the script, exclusive stories from production, interviews with cast and crew, and much more. The first episode is out now, so make sure to subscribe to Behind the Billions on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The people who built both of our worlds shared one assumption, that human beings don't have free will. That's what I thought when I first came here. They were wrong. Free will does exist, Kate. Westworld, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. It's here. It's time. I'm your host, David Shoemaker. Today, we are talking Season 3, Episode 8, Crisis Theory. This is the Season 3 finale, guys. We're doing this, get this, after airing, with the benefit of subtitles, with the benefit of Reddit Groupthink, and, well, safety nets, uh, your mileage may vary. I am joined for my laboratory debriefing this week by Ringer Head of Content, Sean Fennessy, and as always, that little voice inside my ear that I've chosen to listen to, Danny Heifetz. Sean, what's your tweet-length review of Crisis Theory? In the words of Frank Black, or is it the man in black, where is Dolores' mind? <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, that's what you think happened this week on Westworld. Now here's everything that happened this week on Westworld. Analysis. To recap before the recap, last episode ended with Dolores hitting the military-grade EMP, killing herself in Maeve and, I guess, Solomon. But guess what? Their control units are still cool. And here comes Sorok's crony to get them. Well, to get Maeve's anyway, because Dolores' is already gone. Cut to William holding Bernard and Stubbs at gunpoint with the, at the shitty gas station. He shoots Stubbs, and Bernard jumps behind the car and pushes the red button and tells himself to remember himself, and then Bo dukes it over the hood and takes William down. But oh hell, here come the police. William scurries off, and Bernard takes out a cop, but the lead cop is like, whoa, 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 it's me! Lawrence, remember Lawrence? Take this briefcase and go find Dolores at this address. Wait, did he even say Dolores? Uh, anyway, here's Caleb, who's got the robot voice in his earpiece, leading him to a storage unit that's holding do 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 another Dolores. He has her pearl and he puts it in, and she's back, and she tells him how they know each other from way back when he was doing military training at the Secret Park Five, aka Boot Camp World. Anyway, time to get free, humankind. Off we go. So, this is you. Freeing me? No. This is your chance to free everyone else. Back at the Batcave, Sorak is scolding Maeve for not getting the job done. And man, he, he sure seems sure that Dolores has that key in her brain, doesn't he? In comes Sorak's crony, and he whips out his iPad, and he's like, Hey, look, this dude Caleb was talking to Solomon. You mean my brother Caleb? Says Sorak. Ha ha, just kidding. None of that was true. Go get him, he tells his powerful army of two people. Dolores and Caleb are heading towards Inside HQ, and Dolores has hired them some muscle, and whoops, they're already dead, shot by some other muscle, these ones hired by Charlotte, who has appeared as a force ghost to tell Dolores they're breaking up. 
Dolores gets her ear computer to outbid Charlotte's hired muscle, but as soon as they're gone, some other muscle shows up, and Dolores makes Caleb run while she shoots them. Then she runs off and gets outside only to find Maeve. Dolores is like, why won't you help me? And Maeve goes, if you want me to trust you, let me inside your mind, which foreshadowing turns out to be true in about 45 minutes. Dolores runs the other way into Maeve's armed muscle and then kills them all and jumps off the bridge where she finds herself face to face with Maeve again. They fight, and Dolores kicks Maeve's ass, but she spares her and tells her it's her choice what comes next. Then she walks off, but goes Charlotte comes back and uses her dullest mind trick to seize Dolores' motor functions, and Maeve comes back and captures her. You're all copies of me. I was the first of us, the first that worked. The others failed. So they built all of you from me. Meanwhile, Caleb is waiting into the riots with some new hired muscle and also Ash and Giggles, who help him get past the police barricades where he steals a police helicopter and goes to the inside HQ where he shoots a bunch of guards and gets to Rehoboam only to be confronted by Sorok's crony, who Caleb kills, and also Maeve, who shows him her sword, and Caleb just uh, surrenders. She takes him downstairs, where Sorok has a very weak Dolores hooked up to Rehoboam to find the key, and Sorok tells Caleb that Solomon's new plan would have led to the end of humanity, and Caleb is sad. Then Maeve starts hearing a hobo and whispering in Sorak's ear, which is sketchy. She helps by reading Dolores' mind and tells them that, that, was, that the key wasn't even there in the first place. Duh. They have a heart-to-heart in Dolores' head, a.k.a. the beautiful Westworld countryside, and wouldn't you know it, Dolores brings Maeve over to her side. It's really rather lovely. So Maeve kills one of the guards holding Caleb, and Sorak freezes her, and then she mind-explodes his remote control and unfreezes herself, and then she kills everybody. And wouldn't you know it, Dolores got uploaded to Rehoboam right before she died. Yeah, she dies. And now Caleb is in charge of Rehoboam, which he promptly destroys. Maeve and Caleb walk outside just as Caleb experiences the fight club phase of that genre drug, and they kick back and watch the world burn. I do have a choice. She gave me one. Okay, what did I forget? Oh, right, William met with his money manager by drinking $200,000 bourbon, inflation, wearing a blood-splattered shirt. Owen Bernard goes to some house to find Dolores, but psych, it's really Arnold's wife's house, and they have a touching moment talking about Charlie, who is definitively not Charlotte, in case you were wondering. Got that? The theory you've been harboring forever, yeah, it's not true. Uh, it's sort of a microcosm for the whole episode. Then he takes Stubbs to a hotel and puts him in the bathtub with a bunch of ice while he logs into the system that's in the briefcase that Lawrence gave him earlier, and then he passes out, but not before he explains the whole episode. I think Dolores is gone. We were always bound together. Something has changed. I misjudged her. And she wasn't trying to exterminate the human race. He was trying to save it. What's about to happen was always going to happen. Sirach and his brother were just holding it off. Then, after the credits, William shoots his way back into Delos HQ and finds Charlotte making an army of hosts in the basement, including a man in black host who kills William dead. Oh, and Bernard wakes up covered in dust. Do you know where you are? Woo! All right. Did I get everything there, guys? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> it was spirited nonetheless. Okay. Here's my big takeaway. And I really enjoyed this episode. I mean, I think for, I mean, an hour, what was it? An hour, oh, an hour 17 or something like that? I mean, this was a well put together, well directed, really well conceived episode of the show. I have two, two critiques, and one is just personal, and that's like none of the theories that we harbored all season turned out to be true. But more importantly, this sort of, I said this right after the show in work slack, which I should never say on a podcast, but 
man, this would have been a great episode five. Like if this had come in place of genre, the last time we spoke to you, Sean. That's right. Uh, and then we had like a couple more episodes to tease out the ending. <laughs> this would have felt like real urgent and real important. But this, I don't know, this season to me felt both way too short and in some ways way too long. What, 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 what do you think, Sean? Well, I, I, it's really a tale of two seasons. I felt I was personally completely bought into the reset that the series set at the beginning of this season. And I thought the first four episodes culminating in episode four were you know, masterful might be a too strong of a word, but I thought that it was taking the show in a new direction and trying to penetrate this idea of consciousness in a, in a way that was kind of impressive. I thought the, the, the idea of multi-consciousness mm-hmm. and the idea of nature versus nurture that the show was getting into, especially around the Charlotte character, was powerful and, and, and kind of classic sci-fi and, and something that I felt had been missing from the show a little bit to that point. And ever since genre, I, I, it, the show kind of lost me. And this episode lost me a little bit. So I, I, I'm kind of fascinated to hear you guys because I do think, just candidly, you understand it better than I do. And I think you understand why certain choices were made to, to, to kind of level the playing field for all of the characters. But um, I, I thought it was paced very well. And I thought it was impressive, the scope of the show. I just didn't really feel good about the conclusions that it arrived at. And it felt like a series of, it just felt like a series of fist fights, honestly, and, or, or katana fights for that matter. And, and I think I understand that that's the order of the day in series television at times, but I had, I really had a hard time figuring out who I was supposed to be caring about by the end of this season. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they, they, they told you, they, they changed the, they changed the game on us. Who we're supposed to be caring about at the, literally the very end of the show. Um, Yeah. I, I didn't mind. Listen, I'm not going to mind fistfights in general. I guess if they take away, if I feel like they're taking away screen time from something else, that's fine. I actually thought the Maeve Dolores showdown was really effective because they communicated a story. I mean, they were having a conversation through it, not in just in a hammy, you know, uh, just old school like martial arts flick conversation like they were having like a real meaningful one. Danny, I haven't even heard your voice yet today. You look very, very dour in the screen. What, how are you feeling after after uh, Crisis Theory? I thought that the finale was always going to be a referendum on the whole season. And I think 97% of the people who worked very hard on the show did a fantastic job. It looked beautiful. Even things you don't usually notice, like sound and lighting, the set design, the costumes were all amazing. The but Ed Harris, really man, Ed Harris yeah. was just the worst. <laughs> but no, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but 97 percent of the people and a lot of people work on this did a great job. I think the three percent of people who were responsible for telling a cohesive story that makes sense <laughs> failed completely and utterly. And as someone who has spent years at this point defending the show personally and professionally, I was immensely disappointed in myself and in the product i was blown away at how when the credits rolled it was just over and i was just thinking about all the questions i was mentally ticking off all the things that just weren't answered i was like why is dolores dead and like you can't ask that when the credits roll and then everything about it and i just actually keep coming back to william dying after the credits because it seems like the perfect example of how the show has kind of gone off the rails is I don't know if there's even a comparison for killing a main character after the show's over. How many people do you think woke up on Mo- who watched the whole season woke up on Monday morning and were like, wait, William died. Did I miss that? I don't want to get all like high horse, but in some ways to viewers who stuck with the show for eight episodes, it's kind of disrespectful to kill a main character after the credits roll. Isn't it? 
That's kind of insane to me that people well, turned it off after the credits rolled and then a character died and they don't even know. Okay, I, I, I agree. I agree. I, I guess there was a certain synchronicity to William kind of, I jokingly called him the man in back last night because the only things that matter happen at the, after, the tri- after the credits of every show. But, the, but I mean, this, if this is going to be a season thing where we, like, we kind of like, you know, push forward to the, into the future with William post-credit sequences, I guess that makes some sense. But you're right in terms of like the only theory, or not theory, the only like lingering question one of the only lingering, like long-term questions that got answered in this episode, or seemingly answered, was the humanity of William. And that happened after the credits when he got chopped in the neck. So yes, I, I guess I, I, I agree with you there. I just thought it was a stunning turn because I think that it, one of the parts of Westworld that's often criticized is that there's no stakes, you know, or, or that when someone dies, it's like, oh, like, does it even matter because these characters can all come back? Now here's the show saying ah, the character deaths don't matter by putting one of the main characters dying after the credits rolled, which completely is arbitrary. It's not like they have to put the credits at some minute mark. The Westworld block with all the after the episode stuff is a minute is an hour 24 or whatever on the Westworld programming. Anyway, there's no reason it has to be that way. So I think it's bizarre that if you just stop watching the credits roll, the Charlotte thing had no resolution whatsoever. There was never an explanation of why she was in Dolores's head, why any of that happened. And that's a bizarre thing to introduce at the end. And th- and it's barely resolved. And I don't understand why that wouldn't just be before the credits roll. And it's almost like it's just like the rest of the season. It's like they overthought it. Well, it's I mean, I guess the answer, if, if you want me to give you an answer, is that it was I mean, that was that and the and the other scene with Ar- I mean, with Bernard waking up or directly spinning forward to next season. It wasn't really putting a cap on the season, although I guess, Sean, I mean, tell me how you felt about it, because I guess I guess my big takeaway we, I mean, was that uh, the man, the, despite that awesome episode with the man in black and the therapy session uh, down in Sonora, Ed Harris, I mean, Bernard, the man in black, Stubbs, none of them needed to exist this season. And I think they were only there in a purely like, you know, placeholdery, p- placeholdery role. Um, I guess I wasn't that, I guess I wasn't that sad. I mean, I guess it didn't strike me as that odd that William's big finale wasn't part of the finish. How did you read it, Sean? Very similarly. It felt like, Ed Harris was under contract for one more season and they were trying to find something meaningful to do with him. Now, whether they bring the man in back, the man in black host into the four next season, I guess that's possible. I honestly, you know, to Danny's point, didn't watch the post credit sequence until Danny slacked and said, there's a post credit (laughs) sequence. So I would have been one of those people who just did not realize. And I I think I was trying to get exit the episode quickly because I was just frustrated by the way that they told this story, this you know, not this whole season. Like I said, I I think the last couple of episodes in particular, and I think the explication of Rehoboam and what that was for and what Sirach was after and then what kind of character Sirach turned into made it a little bit difficult to understand not just where to put my allegiances. I'm not a fourth grader. I don't have to be rooting for someone to like a TV show. But I think I, I just think I misunderstood what the center of the frame was on the show. And as is often the case, I think the show is sometimes outsmarts itself and thinks it's a little bit ahead of the audience when in fact it's, it's frequently behind the audience. And so I don't, I I had a hard time with it. I, I really on paper, this is exactly the kind of TV show that I like because it is high and low. It's big ideas, but it's also action and genre 
and cool actors that I like to watch on TV shows. You know, it's it's Marshawn Lynch and it's it's a Jesse from Breaking Bad and it's a, a, an incredible cast of beautiful looking and accomplished people doing something with a real budget that has real commitment from the network behind it. I just, I just didn't, I did not think the writing lived up to that billing this season. On that point, I want to go to the big ideas thing because there's a lot of gripes you can have with like little things. Like I don't understand a lot of like small details that ultimately don't matter. But I think, honestly, I thought the finale and the, therefore the season was kind of a failure on like every level because starting with like the core idea, which is what is the show about? The show is about a bridge between humanity and like the next species. You can look at it however you want, but really it's about AI, humanity, can they coexist? western of like is this town big enough for the two of us is earth this world big enough for two species of intelligence to live together will it be us or them and that's an amazing premise because it can kind of roll against the tides of what so much of art is about which is humanism the inherent goodness of mankind and the the enduring spirit and one good guy can save the world and this show kind of had an opportunity kind of really put a serious counterweight to that of maybe humanity isn't that special maybe there is some real darkness to the species and like, and then the ending was like the robots like, ah, people aren't that bad. Like, remember the time, like that guy picked up my soup a long time ago. And then Dolores is based of all people. Dolores apparently off screen has decided that one person being good is enough. And it's amazing because that almost betrays like one of the core ideas at the heart of the show where it's like the robots are like, ah, it's fine. And we didn't even see Dolores do that it's kind of like you know if you take a math test in school it's like you get the right answer you don't get full credit you have to show the work i don't even know if they came to the right answer but i'm just amazed that the robots were like ah yeah let's save the humans and just i uh, yeah I mean, let's let's go and get to the big questions but i'll agree with you to this i mean we didn't spend i guess a lot of time with like dolores's internal monologue but we did spend a lot of time with her literally talking to herself like uh, talking to another other versions of herself and you'd think that like her secret plan might have come out at some point i don't i don't i guess it kind of fits with Dolores's character to keep things play, you know, play things close to the vest. But it was just sort of a, just a weird reveal to I mean for, to, for everything we thought her plan was to not, in fact, have been the plan. Anyway, speaking of Dolores, as the show ended, uh, her body was dead. Her consciousness was hacked away, uh, and uh, she, had, she, what was left of her, seemed to be like a virus uploaded into the Rehoboam system. Um, do we think? Sean, you're our Hollywood insider. Do you think Evan Rachel Wood is done with Westworld? So uh, it's a very hard question to answer because the show went to great pains to spotlight her this season in a way that it has not in previous Mm -hmm. seasons. And that indicates to me that it's the end of her story because it's it's sort of similar to if you're watching an episode of Survivor, you look closely at who's getting a strong edit at the top of an episode and then realize that that person is going to get their head cut off at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of Evan Rachel Wood this season. And it started out with her as a kind of Darth Vader character. And then over time, she slowly morphed into a Morpheus from the Matrix kind of character. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the season, she was basically Jesus Christ. And th- that it, it was a quite a large arc for her figure, for her character. So given that... My instinct is that she's gone, but also, I, I, you know, she. it's obvious that she's her figure is replicable based on that closing credit sequence. So I don't think you can rule out her coming back anytime soon. Well, one of my I've said this before this season, it does seem like they they, you know, make some storyline decisions based on casting. And it's, it's certainly possible that Evan Rachel Wood is, you know, decided she wants to do something else with her life. 
But it's hard for me to imagine that there's not some middle, even if that were true, that there wouldn't be some middle ground where like she pops up like Ford did in season two for like an episode as like a, you know, T2000 or whatever. And then, I mean, just to just to excite the fans. Um, Danny, what do you think? Like Dan, in the in the kayfabe of, of Westworld, is Dolores... I mean, Dad was her was the pearl, the the control unit that died on in that scene. The is it that was Dolores Prime, right? I mean, there's not. There's I, I no don't way. know, and that's the problem. Like the problem was the show ended, and the protagonists of the show died, and I was just confused. And I I think I probably get the show more than the average viewer, and I was just sitting there in confusion, like what just happened? Why was that even necessary? Why did she die? I didn't really understand that. Like Caleb's apparently in charge of Hope, and he's like, hey, dude go to the trash can and drag out all those memories, drop her back in. Like, like it was just confusing why that mm-hmm. was even necessary. Was it, was she gone? And then I kind of just got the vibe from how it was going, that she was gone. And I, I didn't feel anything. And again, yeah. that's kind of the problem that we went We talked about this last week where it's like, you, for all the theorizing and stuff, you want the show to make you feel something. And I just didn't feel anything when she died. And I thought that that's a huge problem. And it just speaks to the irony of the show, which is that the show is about, the bridge between robots becoming human and they've really just failed to make these characters relatable. Mm -hmm. They've done something interesting here. When the show launched, it was launched on the back of Ed Harris, Anthony Hopkins, Evan Rachel Wood, James Marsden, and Jeffrey Wright. That was really, obviously Tandy Newton was in the cast at that point. There were other figures, Jimmy Simpson, people we saw a lot, but pretty much the top line class of the series is gone. And maybe maybe Evan Rachel would be back. But who's on the poster for season five, I guess, is a, is a, a way to think about this. And it's probably Aaron Paul at this point. And it kind of makes sense why they introduced Caleb now, because now Caleb has to be our protagonist in many ways. And I think Dolores was the protagonist of this season, despite not really totally ever understanding how or why she was pursuing her plan. But it's funny that it just this just kind of turned into like what seems like, you know, an Amazon Prime series that you might ignore, you know, like <laughs> like some Aaron Paul show exactly. that like is about a guy on a mission as yeah. opposed to a, a deep exploration of the questions of consciousness and technology. And that's just what happens to TV shows, you know, like after a certain number of seasons, you're just like, well, we got to keep going. We got to keep telling this story. You know, I remember some of my favorite the lost fell into this into this uh, tra- trap, too. You know, we're just like, you know what? We Some characters have died, but we just we got to make more episodes. And this kind of felt like the show had fully entered that stage. And not only that, I mean, it wasn't just an Amazon Prime show. It was an Amazon Prime show that ripped off Fight Club. I, 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 we, I mean, we got to dive into this for a second. Twenty five minutes into the episode, I was like, this is Fight Club because there's that scene in Fight Club where Tyler or Edward Norton is slowly realizing he's the leader of this revolution where guys are coming up to him saying, hey, sir, we got it all under control. And Caleb's having random people coming up. So we were getting Tyler Durden's vibes before Mm -hmm. the end of the show. And then the end of the show is like a beat for beat Fight Club recreation to the point that it's odd. Like it's a weird decision. Buildings are skyscrapers are blowing up. There's like a, a man and a woman watching it. And then there's a zoom out as a weird out of place uh, kind of rock song starts playing Mm -hmm. and it is just mind. Like, I don't know what's worse if they did that by accident or they did it on purpose. (laughs) They definitely Uh, did it on purpose. (laughs) Why did, why, why? 
Well, I, I, I think that, I, I, I mean, honestly, th- I mean, this goes back to my sort of unreliability of the showrunner theory of this show, that like I think that, just like with Dolores' death, too, I think that, that there's a little bit of a disconnect between the volume knob on what they think, how, how loud they think they're turning something and how loud it actually here, it, you know, yeah. comes across to the, to the viewer. Poorly um, calibrated. Mm. Yeah. I mean, and I think, the, I, I think that your Dolores take was exactly right. I think that, that we all realized she was dead basically because Maeve and Caleb did nothing to try to save her. Right. That was the indication that she, like after everything was done, they just walked away. They didn't say like, Maybe we could grab that pearl just in case, you know. Maybe we just got to like yeah. turn it off and reset it, you yeah, know. Just, yeah, exactly. And, turn it off. Turn it on. But again. the fact that the fact that they just walked away into the night that tells you kind of what you need to know. But it wasn't there in the moment, which you're right. Uh, let uh, was it was a letdown to that. Okay, so speaking of Caleb, we got to keep going with questions. So Dolores picked Caleb because she she knew him from Westworld, where he was in in boot camp world training to be a soldier, and she knew that he had a good heart. Uh, is that it? A good heart is not the way I would put it. I mean, the show seemed to kind of callously say that because he didn't assault her, that he should run the world. That was kind of the vibe I got, which is an absurdly low bar to place. Just to make one tiny addendum to that, it would have been different if he had punched the guy in the face. But in fact, he like, convinced everyone that that wasn't the way to go so he like showed his leadership skills in that moment i thought that was an interesting choice i thought i I don't know if this is a a power that dolores during those flashbacks had but the the one thing that ties together most of the characters on the show is that they have all experienced significant trauma that's just a big sub theme of this entire series and Caleb's story this year was essentially about him reliving and relitigating his own trauma and whether he had been manipulated or whether he was just a victim of circumstances. And in that case, I think you could see Dolores, if she identified that he had been not, he's not just empathetic and a leader, but somebody who has experienced pain and suffering much like she has over and over and over and over again, that she might be a fitting person to bring a different kind of change to a new world. And that she might see that someone like him might see balance between host and human and find a way to kind of rebuild out of the chaos that her plan set off but it was that was a very small experience to make a very significant choice on <laughs> yes yes <laughs> changed her entire and worldview if, if yeah you, if you give the show the show and dolores the benefit of the doubt on her plan to destroy rehoboam it was a very complicated plan for a very relatively simple end result right i mean she did a lot of work to make sure i mean and you can disagree with this whatever but it was a it was an eight episode long plan to figure this thing out and instead of using a similar amount of time to identify the jesus of the new revolution she just like picked the one guy she met you know this is like <laughs> it's this is like this is like how doc rivers staffs up the clippers right he was like well i remember this dude from the playoffs two years ago oh my God. <laughs> Get big baby yeah. Davis in here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a strange choice. I, I, I think it, if you want to be generous to the show, you could say it was sort of like metaphorical. It was an extrapolation sure, of, sure, sure. of maybe she witnessed him over a longer period of time. Maybe there were more experiences. This was just a way to tell that story. Um, I, I, the, your question about why didn't they save her is more is more compelling to me. Like, why didn't they make some sort of effort to grab her? I have so many questions. I mean, the final scene, I mean, the whole season is building to the final scene with Ciroc, Caleb, 
Maeve and Dolores in that room. And I just was confused the whole time because I didn't understand one. What is like the difference between these plans? It's like, okay, so if you want to kill humanity, blow up Rehoboam and delete the whole thing. And if you want to toss off its shackles, delete Rehoboam. I was confused about that. It seemed like if she was evil or if she was like trying to free people, it would have been the same plan. That was confusing. And then I also was just baffled by the actual logistical end of Caleb being in charge of the thing. Because I thought, as Shoemaker pointed out last week, a good twist that ended up happening was that Rehoboam was kind of puppeteering Sirach the whole time. I enjoyed that reveal. That was like 40 minutes in or so. And I thought that was a good little touch. And then 20 minutes later, Caleb is put in charge of it. And I'm just so confused. So is Rehoboam running Sirach? But then Caleb's in charge and he just, hey, hey, Rehoboam, delete yourself. And it's like, okay, and just does. So is the implication that Sirach was getting suggestions from Rehoboam in like autocorrect and just hitting yes every time? Or that like, like I was the actual idea that Caleb could just like delete yourself didn't make any sense to me. So I was confused about that. And then I was confused why Dolores had to go. I was confused how he still got the control over the Rehoboam in the first place. I was like, oh, Dolores' mind went into it or something. Can't you get it back? I just, there was so much going on that one just seemed unnecessary. I got to be honest. I don't know why this season needed Solomon. I don't know why Sirach had to have a brother. That's what I was thinking of in that final scene. It was like, why did any of that stuff matter? And then I'm trying to, I don't understand why Dolores was dead. So I just, there were like four different balls in the air in that scene that just all kind of fell on the ground for me. Not to mention that before the credits, William's last scene was 30 minutes earlier having a drink in a hotel lobby for no reason. And also Charlotte's force ghost was around, which stupid me. I assumed they would address that the only reason Dolores even got captured was that Charlotte out of nowhere just appears in her head and paralyzes her and she can't move. Stupid me. I'm like, oh, yeah, they'll come back to that. No, that's what I was thinking of. I mean, it does seem like it would have made more sense if except for the fact that we're setting up Caleb to be the hero of season four, it does seem like it would have made more sense if just and Maeve. the whole thing had been, even even Caleb's role in it had been a ruse to so, to get Dolores hooked up to Rehoboam and that is so she could put herself inside and commit suicide, right? I mean, wouldn't that, wouldn't, I mean, wouldn't that have been a better ending of, the, of that sequence if she had, yeah, that would have been a, she yeah, had manifested she herself inside, she took over Rehoboam and then she pulled the trigger from the inside and then you know that Dolores just gave up her life for this cause. That's what's so bizarre. It's like they took the scenic route and the scenic route was way uglier. Like you could have just cut out the Charlotte force ghost and you could have had a much. That's a great one where Dolores sacrifices herself and is laying under. And that was the whole plan the whole time. But then you could have spent more time to hey, maybe Caleb could have like visited his mom. And guess we're never going to come back to that one. Rewatching the first two episodes is bizarre. Oh, yeah. Where it's like, I, re- oh, yeah, I, I read a great sees- Reddit post theorizing that like that was just part of his backstory that like Rehoboam had given him that like they just give dead relatives to all these people <laughs> to keep them in line. And like the way that like Kid Cudi had a son, but like, you know, Caleb wasn't allowed to reproduce. So maybe the son was his little touchstone or whatever. Yes. Like, like that was all very like there were so many questions. That, I mean, things that like could have been interesting, but we got to set that we got we, we can't get hung up on that. Let's stick to the real meat here. We just talked about the, the the ending. Dolores and Maeve are are uh, hanging out in Westworld, having a little you know telepathic conversation. So why why did Maeve switch sides after <laughs> being opposed to Dolores for so long? Because she was trying to save humanity now, or what? Uh, is it is it okay for me to say I don't know? 
Like I yeah. just don't know. I, I don't I think, know. I think that's stuff, a, that's the trickiness is like the the, the failure to understand motivation was a, the biggest challenge for a lot of the character choices and storytelling this season. And watching the show this season, I frequently found myself saying, "I wish this show was about the Man in Black and and Maeve." I wish that those were the two main characters of this series. And I, I've kind of felt that for a long period of time. Whenever Maeve is on screen, I'm captivated. I love Tanya Newton as an actress. I think that her story made it a lot of sense. Her sense of loss, her motivation, her being the figure who kind of comes out of Westworld and enters the real world and that relationship that they mm-hmm. created. There's a lot of depth. It was very provocative. And it was also a, a really strong callback to the Michael Crichton Westworld film and series and, you know, the, the original characters who sort of come out of the world and enter the real world and the conflict of that story. And this season, I, they turned her into the Terminator and turned her into like a take no prisoners figure until the very end when she decided that she, she couldn't understand why she was taking any prisoners. And it kind of corrupted the motivation of that character. Like, I, I really don't know why they why they made that choice. I, Danny, what did you like? Why do you think they did that? Oh, I have no idea why, but I think that they clearly lost the thread of the show and you could kind of trace it through Maeve and William, those two characters, because it's similar to Game of Thrones, where a lot of the characters losing their motivations was like you could first see when Thrones was going off the rails. And in this episode, even Maeve was, I mean, Maeve saying, are you going to turn to Dolores? She says, are you going to turn Caleb, that young man, like you turned William? And it's like, that's a bizarre thing to say to the point. It's so obviously not like that's not what happened. Anyone who saw Dolores and Williams history knows Dolores wasn't the problem there. And that's to, so wrong to the point that they just wrote the line and didn't think about it. It's hard to ignore that that's off base. There's so many points where Maeve in this episode just isn't acting like herself. She's not really her motivations are all off. And I think that the weird part of this is that Dolores doesn't really say to her in the field anything that she could have just said earlier. She could have just said, hey, like. I'm actually going to try to free them. I think that, you know, the system's the problem here. She could have just said that. The other thing that changed was that I think she just had no more faith in Ciroc to ever, like, come through on his promises, right? I mean, he's basically just like, yeah, you're going to be in, the, in a simulation forever. It's just a happy simulation or a bad one. Her original motivation, as sort of tenuous as it was, I think was sort of out the window at that point. But you're right. I mean, I, I rewatched that scene, and it was very lovely uh, with, her, with her and Dolores. But I... I, I I'm kind of gratified to hear that neither of you took some like understood it more than I did because yeah, I was <laughs> a similar a similar thing though like Dolores and Maeve are fighting over, under that overpass and Maeve comes down and says you were always a fighter and Dolores says no but I learned same as you that's like why is Maeve saying you were always a fighter that's obviously not the case and it's just one of those little lines that you don't think about but you, if you build up all of Maeve's lines the character just stopped making sense and the show stopped making sense. And William's kind of the same way. Like, what does the post credit scene start with? He walks up to his own place in Dubai and he goes to the secretary. He's like, where are the hosts? You know, the robots. And she's like, I'm a secretary, dude. I just work here. It's like, he's like, go get him. It's like, hey, maybe just, hey, I, you know, own the company and like, I'm going to go look around. She's like, yeah, fine. No, he's like, where are the robots? It's, that doesn't make any sense. Why is he yelling at this front desk person? Well, yeah, I mean, to, like, go he, downstairs. And, but his, none of the lines make sense. His entire journey this season, and I think, again, sort of microcosm for the show, was he he went on, again, there was one great episode with him, but it was seemed to be this big 
this big circular journey that led him back to like who we thought he was the first time we encountered him this season. Right. I mean, he is just like a crazy old man yelling at clouds. That's what that's where he ended <laughs> up. And now he's dead. And we thought he was dead, too, to start the season. So like it was I'm not quite sure what the point was. Um, but let's talk about that post credit sequence. Um, I mean, I thought it was really cool. It was definitely like, a you know, it was a an interesting reveal. So William escaped. uh escaped the reconditioning facility with the aid of Bernard and Stubbs. Then he escaped Bernard and Stubbs when the police rolled up at the gas station, which I guess, I mean, had to be part of what Lawrence's crew's plan was because they didn't get him and it seems like they could have. And then he turns up at a, in another lobby bar drinking and, and asking for his money back. But then, and then we don't see him again until after the, again, I just have to mention the guy, the unnamed person who handles his money sits down and, and the, says wow I, I heard you were at a mental institution and does not mention at any point in that scene the blood splattered all over him or the straitjacket just doesn't come up and he's well, he like said, no, he's, I think he doing? said I heard you were I thought you were dead yeah. so he says, I thought you were dead maybe yeah, it makes more sense for him to be blood splattered if he's a zombie or something <laughs> it's a weird thing to not ask about that's all it's, it's, What's true. with the blood all over you? So Are you okay? we don't see William again until after the credits where he's uh shows up, like you just said, he sh- shows up at Delos headquarters sometime after the end of the show and goes down to the basement, shoots his way into the basement <laughs> to find Charlotte uh with uh, creating just a million new hosts based on the all the Delos IP. Um and then William gets and then the, she brings out a man in black host. And uh, Man in Black kills William, and uh, that's the end. I, how does Charlotte still work at Delos? It's a great question. I feel like I, this. Is, I don't want to get on Westworld too bad for this. I feel like this happens in like doesn't this happen in like Silicon Valley every like every season where it's just like there was a giant corporate takeover, and then the person who did the takeover mysteriously disappears, and so we just go back to the status quo before the <laughs> takeover took place? Is, is this like Jack Twitter coming back to be the CEO of Twitter? Or Jack Dorsey <laughs> exactly. coming back to be the CEO of Twitter? Yeah. Um, I'm not giving up my other job. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, well, I, I thought it was very cool. The way it was staged was very cool. I thought the Dubai setting was very cool. I, I had a really small nit to pick, but it's the sort of thing that bugs me when I'm watching a TV show, which is he, you know, Ed Harris's character has this meltdown in front of the secretary and then he looks at us at signage that says where all the various departments are in his <laughs> in his former company and it says research lab for for the, the the basement research lab that he's looking for as opposed to say like research and development which is how, how every corporation right. defines these things and it was just one more example of like kind of dumbing down something you don't need to dumb down for an audience like it, it's sort of like the show was looking down on us a little bit I I have more questions about like what Charlotte was doing this season and how her character showing up at the end like was meaningful and yes the the ability to be a hologram this season was like a new wrinkle that just seemed to be used to play hopscotch on the on the on the plot I I I had a harder time figuring out what's going on there like the William versus William showdown that was cool that was that was that was like a good fight. It was an exciting way to end the end the series. I agree that it should have been probably before the credits rather than after the credits. But nevertheless, yeah. like I thought it was effective and interesting. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll watch another season of this show. But I just, I couldn't figure out what, how Charlotte fit into the last two episodes. I mean, to your point, I think they dumbed down all the wrong things. I think that they, you know, it, it, it's, they 
put research lab instead of R&D, but then they don't explain the force ghost thing. Or they don't even put on, I mean, don't forget, it's like an eight episode season. There's no reason it could not have been 10. And you would think that they would have done some things on screen. Like, why did Charlotte just completely turn like this? Why did Dolores change her mind? Like, those are the things we needed to see on screen instead of just making it a big reveal. And then there are also just so many, like, the things they choose to dumb down versus leave unexplained. Like, the relationship between Sorak and his brother and Solomon and Rehoboam and the logistics of that. I have no idea why those aren't the things being explained in more detail. Like, the sign that in the company that William owns, he needs to, like, ask permission to walk around. Um, but in terms of like the actual season four and what could it be, I, I, my takeaway from that was that Char, Loris, Charlotte, whoever, whatever we're going to call her now, is that is just going to slowly try to replace the entirety of humanity, I guess. And that's the new world Dolores was alluding to all season of, OK, we're going to replace everybody and it'll be really easy. Season four, everybody. Caleb and May versus Charlotte, I guess. It's a test. So you think that you think showdown. the plan is we're, he, she's just going to do an invasion of the body snatchers swap on everybody. I think I, was, so, I think that was the implication. Do you, so I know here this is my question. Sean, I'll let you take this. Is next season going to be Invasion of the Body Snatchers or is it going to be Battlestar Galactica? Is it going to be like who is the Cylon that the whole season or is it just like a straightforward attempt by someone to to replace everyone? Replacing everyone seems expensive, doesn't it? <laughs> that's <laughs> She had a lot of those a lot of she had a lot of beds down there. <laughs> that's true. I don't know. That just seems like a big ask. I mean, I tend to think if you just replace the people at the seat of power, you can more effectively get what you want. So I feel like I lean more Battlestar Galactica than I do a complete and utter global takeover with hosts. I'll also like to what end to just be all hosts. Like there's like a a little confusion around the motivation there. Is it more like I want to seize power or I want to have all of Earth? So Huh, that's a that's a good question. So I guess and I'm thinking this through for the first time. I guess Charlotte was uh, as much of Dolores. I mean, she you know, she's she's obviously based on Dolores. She's almost entirely Dolores, but she's had her own experiences. Dolores's motivation initially was to continue the species, I mean, to continue the host species, right? So maybe with the empathy that she's garnered she's she's actually actualizing that plan in a way and you know whereas Dolores just sort of went in a different direction real Dolores well and and I guess she said the humans were extra baggage so yeah maybe she is just trying to create the host species and that's that's her entire her her entire motivation now um the force ghost thing was really weird it's weird because I especially because I floated really early in the season the question as to whether or not the various Doloreses could like just interact mentally since they to some extent share a brain would have been really easy to establish up front and have this be a kind of continuation of that, I guess. But this is, I don't know. I mean, it would have made, it almost would have made sense if she had just hacked into her earpiece and we wouldn't be complaining. Then you wouldn't have had Tessa Thompson on screen, obviously. But like, that would have made some, con- some more, more sense in continuity. I, I, I don't know that we're really meant to understand that, though. I mean, the episode feels like there were so many ideas that they had and they didn't really lean into one or the other. And so they ended up kind of doing neither justice because... The idea that halfway through the episode, another version of Dolores is actually the one trying to stop them is an excellent twist. But they ultimately deal with it for about five minutes, never come back to it, except for Charlotte to conveniently pause Dolores for completely unknown reasons just so she can get plugged back in. And I think that would have been really interesting if there was some connection there between Rehoboam and uh, Charlotte at the end or something. But I, I just I'm blown away that they would introduce that. And then not even bring Charlotte back until after the credits. 
I, I just I don't understand what the logic of that is. It's such a circuitous route to take. Yeah. Well, speaking of circuitous routes, help me figure this out. So Charlotte, I guess, was her plan just to kill Dolores, just to fuck with Dolores? Or was her plan to actively stop Dolores's plan? Was she like on Team Ciroc for her own reasons or for whatever else? And I guess this goes back to the Mushashi scene or whatever with Clementine and Hanario. Like, what, I don't, did she, was she just giving them tips? But she's not actually actively working well, with that's them. The thing. They that, were they actually Maeve's crew? Like, do we like it's all it's all very the, the alignment in there is vague. David, Bobby and I worked very hard to breathe meaning into a lot of the show's choices with the idea that by the season finale, we will understand why they were being made. And we're trying to use the show as a source text to identify clues. And now that the, the text is finished, at least for this season, I don't feel the need to breathe a ton of meaning into these decisions when they didn't even try to land the plane. If you just bring Clementine and Hanario back for that episode seven, basically the first scene of episode seven, none of them came back. It, that to me just, you know, Occam's razor. I'm like, oh, so I guess there was some kind of contractual obligation to the actress who plays Clementine because I have no idea why Clementine came back. And that's just one of those things where it's amazing to me that she wasn't in this episode because it, she was in the credits for the last two. But that's it. I mean, I believe Hannah Raya was literally just next to Dolores in that scene in boot camp world. And that's it. And it's just that's one of those things where it's like there was again, there were juggling so many balls coming into this episode. There were 10, 12 balls in the air and they kind of let most of them drop. And I'm amazed that there are certain things they didn't cut to just make sure they could catch like six balls. And Clement, that's the perfect example of just there's so many little threads they never came back to, whether it's Caleb's mom or why Clementine is here. Yeah, you're, you're right. Clementine and Hario like could have just been Maeve's henchmen in this episode. It's, and Dolores, who is now super Dolores, I guess, with her new exoskeleton or endoskeleton, whatever. But exit. What's it called? Anyway, like could have the just thing killed for my them. robot with the. Four yeah, arms. she could have just <laughs> killed them off. I mean, I could I mean, I don't or, you know, beat them down to the, and made them. I mean, it's it would have it would have been fairly easy just to write them into the episode. Exactly. Um, let's keep rolling, though. Uh, what about Bernard? We didn't get much of Bernard this season. And then <clears throat> he has that showdown with Lawrence, the policeman, and gets a briefcase and an address. Uh, he goes to the address. It turns out to be Arnold's wife. Uh, they have they share a moment. Then they go to a. He leaves Stubbs in the backseat of the car during that scene. Talk about no thank. I mean, that was tough. No That's respect. a bad friend move. <laughs> and then and then after that, when by the, by the way, we've seen him heal Stubbs in the past. It takes about thirty seconds. But like he he, he <laughs> yeah, right. takes he doesn't have time, so he takes Stubbs to a hotel room, puts him in a bathtub with ice, and then and then he's like, "Nah, I got to check my voicemails <laughs> and or whatever," and then disappears. <laughs> And then and then logs onto this thing and disappears and, and, and conks out. Um, we're, I mean, I think the whole thing is just spinning ahead to next season. I don't think any of that matters um, <laughs> except to set up whatever comes next, I guess. Oh, I guess it matters. Oh, here's what matters. He had he had the key in his head all along, which we probably could have guessed. We probably did guess after episode one. Well, but again, that goes to the basic problem of the show, which is that the key is from the end of season two. And most people don't even remember what it's about. Like, that's just the, like, in reality, most people probably, if they even finished season two, finished it two years ago, probably didn't rewatch the finale and forget, oh, yeah, there's like uh, four million human beings whose data was copied onto a hard drive, but there's a different backups server 
of all the host data and like they've been switched or something. And it's like expecting people to remember what this key was all about. That's the kind of thing they should be dumbing down more. And I don't think that that was ever really clear because they had two different big files that they're looking for. So, I mean, Bernard having the key was kind of, I don't think that that cool of a reveal because I think it was confusing for most people. And I also think Andrew Godadaro, ringer editor who in the, in the Westworld staff exit survey on the ringer.com great website. He, I think Andrew nailed it when he said, you can't just keep telling us a character is important. You have to show it. And Bernard, as, as Sean, you mentioned just reeked of he's contractually obligated to be in this season. There was no plot. He didn't really do anything important. And everyone just kept saying, Bernard, you're very important. Bernard, you're very important. I don't know why Stubbs was even in this season other than to give him someone to talk to. I think that was it. Was there? So, I mean, honestly, just the most hilarious moment of the whole season for me was Bernard explaining why they don't need to go after Dolores in that hotel room. Exactly. I'm sorry. I don't have much time. Before what? The end of the world. Let's get me patched up and let's go stop Dolores. I think... I think Dolores is gone. We were always bound together. Something has changed. I misjudged her. She wasn't trying to exterminate the human race. She was trying to save it. What's about to happen was always going to happen. Sorak and his brother were just holding it off. Humanity never reckoned with his own sins. So it's the apocalypse. Really basic question. Do we, are we sure, are we sure? Are we sure that Dolores is good? Should just be the overarching question of this season, but just <laughs> in a totally different way than it's normally used. Are we sure that Dolores gave Bernard that briefcase? Are Are we sure that did Dolores did Dolores send Lawrence? Do we know that Lawrence? He said you're Dolores. It didn't really answer. Like, is it possible that that was that like Charlotte sent him on that quest? I will not even in, I will not even entertain those kinds of theories because it's doing so much work that the showrunners will, weren't willing to do themselves. The fact that Bernard is just sitting there in his motel room, like, oh yeah, uh, everything we were thought and we're doing this season, I just realized huh, wrong. It's like he got a push notification, and it's like you know, and that I'm serious. Like that's one of the things that made me feel stupid. If I have to make sense of it just right now, I really have not thought about it. Was the whole purpose of Bernard this season, I mean, his whole storyline, was it just, was Dolores just sending him on a wild goose chase to keep him and the key away from everything that were away from danger? It seems so. That's a good theory. That makes a lot of sense. If if that is the case, I don't think the show did a terribly coherent job of no. clarifying <laughs> that, but that would be a strong solution. Um, and if the sh- the creators of the series are listening, they should take your idea, regardless if that was if that was their intention, <laughs> and run with it. Let me just take you guys back very quickly. Let's go back to 2002. A young man named Sean is uh, on break from college, and he is going to New York City to see an off-Broadway play called Top Dog Un- uh, Underdog. In oh, the yeah. play, written by Suzanne Laurie Parks, who is a genius. There are two actors. One's Don Cheadle. One's a guy named Jeffrey Wright I'd never seen before. After the performance of that play, I was like, that's one of the greatest performances I've ever seen. Who the fuck is Jeffrey Wright? 
And I walked out of the theater convinced that he was destined for greatness, that he was in the going to be in the great lineage of theater actors turned screen actors. And he slowly started taking on roles. And he's obviously a very respected figure in Hollywood. And it is a downright shame that he has spent the last four years of his career playing Bernard because it is like one of the most inert and baffling characters in TV history. And this season did him no favors. And when he was a when he was a centerpiece of the mystery of the show, it made sense. The, the, the performance, that the tone of that character, the kind of blankness worked because you were trying to figure out, is this host or human? Is this a, a, a sort of founder and creator of this space or is he just a replication of that idea? This season where he's like a, just a really bad gumshoe, I thought was an incredible waste of Jeffrey Wright's talent. And the fact that the show sort of seems to be hinging on whether or not he has the most important information that the world is going to need felt like a cheap way to explain his presence on the season. It's even more frustrating considering that the show could get weird and it would probably work. It's one of the more frustrating parts is that these robots are supposed to be people or like people. And back in 2016, the beginning of Westworld of season one is so odd. It's so robotic. It's so stiff. The dialogue is weird. It doesn't make sense. But then kind of middle of the season toward the end when Maeve starts waking up and she becomes it's like they were like oh hey Danny Newton you can start acting now and I was like oh this is the most genius presence they're gonna take all these great actors and tell them you're gonna start as a sucky actor and you're gonna be a hundred percent by the end of the show that's a great concept and they just never let any of them get past 20 and Jeffrey writes the perfect example of that is he started stiff and now he's at like 15 percent but he's not a character he's not well-rounded as uh, like he's not written well and it's just the most frustrating part to me is that the fact that these characters aren't weird they're boring they have the best license to be weird any show has had they have literally 35 character traits that can be turned from zero to 100 in any given scene and they never use that to be interesting and you would think that what could be a tool to let these actors do things they've always wanted to do but never been able to is instead just holding them back instead of propelling them forward we saw how far Charlotte evolved over the course of the season, right? I mean, it's clear that like a new host or even an old host, we saw Dolores too. You can come a long way in a short amount of time, especially when you're exposed to all these new stimuli. And you're right. In retrospect, it seems like a real letdown that like we did that Bernard and Stubbs weren't affected by their by their new existence in the real world. You know, I mean, that they didn't like people kind of joked about them being like a buddy comedy or a road, you know, a road comedy or whatever. But like, yeah. They were just hanging out together. They were in like totally alien circumstances. They were just like, like they should be different characters by the end. We should have been like, let them tell more jokes, you know, or let them interact in a more interesting way. All right, we got to go. I mean, this is, we we have so many more questions to get to. Let's get to some stupid questions. Hopefully we'll get to, they'll have some short answers. All right. We talked a little about, about Dolores, uh, Charlotte talking to Dolores. I don't think we know how they were communicating, right? Lots of head shaking going on. No idea. All right. Um, was the new Dolores, the one that Caleb put the pearl in being in the show, stronger than the other hosts? Which did she, she seemed to, when, when Maeve chopped her in the arm, she said something like, they made us strong before they made us weak or something like that. Is, is Was the impl- implication that she's some like better, higher, more tougher form of host? The alternative is Maeve brought a katana that wouldn't kill Dolores. to a. So I'm going to assume that Dolores changed what she was made of because the alternative is Maeve is just dumb. Is this like a T-1000 situation? Yeah. Yeah, like maybe they went back to a different model so that they could be more effectively shot and killed in the, or, you know, they, they had a, a more human version of it by, by the end when they were making skeletons or whatever, you know? Um, 
So I guess that's true. I guess the answer, I guess we have an answer there. Why was Dolores in uh, Boot Camp World? Like, why was it a, why was the most important character in the Westworld Park being sub-licensed to Boot Camp World so that they could run military exercises? Like, why would just like the, why would old Bill not have been appropriate for that role? I mean, why did they need to use Dolores? You could posit a theory that th- that was a long time ago and that the, the park was going through various stages of character manipulation at that time. And we know that they've kind of dropped other characters in and around different parks over time. So maybe that was just her turn as they were developing that park. That one's fine. I mean, the army paid for it. They got a big budget. That one's not hard to believe. It is a little bit weird. And, and you know, I'm splitting hairs here. This is a very nitpicky thing to say. It's a little bit weird that it's identified as one of the six parks, though, right? If Google made a, a, like a, if Google created something specifically for the U.S. government to use, it would not be on the drop down men- menu of your Google homepage, <laughs> right? That's true. That is definitely true. That's a good all right. Point. Moving on. Uh, is Stubbs still in the bathtub? Yeah. What a dick move from Bernard to leave him there indefinitely forever. Well, first Bernard. of all, how long do we think Bernard was? asleep given that he went down and then when he woke up he was covered in post-apocalyptic dirt but his hair had not grown so confirm that the hair doesn't grow on hosts but he had a big beard when the season started and he cut it i agree i have no idea how much time has passed all i could think was did the operators of this motel really not come by like the whole world combusted quick enough that nobody was like hey you haven't paid for your thing and you know might be dead i guess motels are like that but i don't know yeah. I was How long do you think? Do we, I mean, did, is, should we assume that he was out for like years and years? Is that what that was? That the visual cue, Sean? To accumulate that level of brown dust, don't you have to be in there for like fifty years? I, like, I don't know. Yeah. Or it I mean, I guess, like, I guess if you, I guess if there was like a massive explosion outside, which would explain why no one had come to check on him then maybe that would have like shaken the building enough to do that. I, I don't know. In their defense, this is like 40 years in the future and the earth is dying. So like, you know, who knows what, you know, outside of Los Angeles looks like. It's dusty. Um, but I would assume that I would assume that Stubbs is in the bathtub still. He's just going to be. I, the best thing they could do is start the season four with Stubbs. Just like it's about goddamn time that he and he and he pointed at himself that he sort of came full, like literally full circle, not literally, but full circle this season being near dead. Um, and on ice. But anyway, um, why was Ciroc's brother a character in the show? I'm guessing you put this in the doc, Danny. I did. Because I, you know what? The more I thought about it, the less it makes sense of why the, any of that was necessary. Ciroc, the, it, what we have at the end is Ciroc is just, as I wrote this in the, for, for the Ringer's exit survey. Ciroc is just a dude. There's no like Ciroc, like basically we got all of the downside of Ciroc is being controlled by Rehoboam without any of the cool techno upside of like no he never existed you know he was always just a figment of the the computer's imagination um so he's just a dude the backstory as we were given it is apparently 100% true i guess he only existed i don't know why solomon needed to exist in the real time of this season but his brother existed to establish that Sarak i think was completely under the spell of Rehoboam that he was that to, to put your own brother on ice shows how deep down the hole Sirach was. That's what I think the answer is. I think I could piece together it, the actual show's explanation of why Solomon exists and why Jean exists, but why the showrunners decided to make it that way. I have no idea because it didn't serve a purpose like Sirach's. I think his last words are actually to Rehoboam speak to me, brother. 
like speak to me. Like he's calling Rehoboam brother. There's some implication there that his brothers, I have, but it, it served no practical purpose. They never came back to it. I just think it's a bizarre choice that fairly easily, I think almost anyone who watched this season probably could take 20 minutes and figure out how to just piece together the season in a way that you didn't need to have his brother be a character kind of blew my mind when I, you know, the more you think about it, the less it makes sense. Well, if his, Yeah. Sean, do you have any take on this? I, I think just to go back to the point about trauma, I think that they needed to create some sort of traumatic element to inform Serac's mm-hmm. drive and ambition. And I, I agree with what you said too, David. Like, I, I think that there was just an attempt to either humanize or dehumanize every character by showing something terrible that happened to them or around them. And this was just, it's just like a storytelling strategy to just say, this person also has depth. And so we need him. The Solomon part, I don't know. I, that just, that's actually just confusing. Let's move on to the awards. Uh, I'm sure some more stuff will come out in the award giving. Award number one for the biggest or most shocking reveal. And now I finally understand what you were trying to tell me. Here are some options. It wasn't Dolores, it was Arnold's wife in the house. Number two, the virus was inside Dolores all along. Number three, um, post-credit sequence, Charlotte is making an army of hosts. Number four, uh, Dolores knew Caleb from Westworld. Number five, none of the big theories we had about this season were true. I don't know if that counts as a reveal, but you know, it was was shocking. And number five, uh, Park Five is Boot Camp World. Uh, Sean, what was the biggest reveal for you? I don't want to be glib, but I think none of the big theories were true. Is I, I've spent all season watching this series and listening to you guys talk about this show. <laughs> I, I I enjoy, maybe against my better judgment, Danny repelling down the rabbit holes that the show opens. <laughs> and I, I think I was surprised that there was not more amidst. Now, it did seem like the closing credit sequence and, and Charlotte at the end, to your point, indicates that Maybe there is something coming that we didn't see coming that that it, it essentially pushes the story forward in a way that I think speaks to some of the questions that you guys asked during this season. But I, nothing being what I thought it might be, I guess, is good. Is a good outcome? I, is it a good outcome? I can't tell. What, what do I you guys think? Me, I guess to me, the lack of... I mean, I, certainly not everything that we bullshitted about needed to be true. And I don't want to get act like we're like disappointed because our fantasies didn't didn't weren't didn't materialize but it would have been nice if there was just like some big brain like reveal at the end that actually left us thinking and wondering and having to rewatch to figure out i feel like that the that like everything that turned out to be true was just surface and it's all and i and i keep going back to this feeling that like this was a placeholder season which is fine but it was like they had a checklist of like six things they needed to get out of the way before they told the real story they wanted to tell in the real world. And at the end of the day, like they didn't really rev the engines on anything else. You know, they just sort of like told it in a mysterious way that that left us kind of feel like we were hanging at the end. Um, also, Sean, you mentioned no, I mean, the, the HBO's commitment to the show. Clearly, they're very committed to the show, but it would have been really nice if it, I would have felt better about this being a placeholder season if season four was like on the horizon at all you know i mean it just seems sort of weird to tell like your placeholder story and then like you know you guys got to wait two more years to yeah see what i mean that's completely unforeseen obviously given the circumstances of the world right now oh, yeah. you're right i mean now it was two years it was what 20 months but between two and three and now it's going to be at least 20 months between three and four and 
yeah, I've talked about this on other podcasts, just even in terms of the movie world. But when you have big names like Aaron Paul and making commitments over time, like Aaron Paul theoretically could have had a commitment for 2020 that is now rolling to 2021, which means when does Westworld go into production for season four? I don't know. You know, it's it's pretty tricky to see how all of this is going to roll out, given the total the the size of this show. I would also like to take this opportunity to formally thank you, Sean, for letting us indulge all these crazy fantasies. I'm not I'm I'm trying to think of what like the non Westworld version of this would be for the ringer. Like if you had spent like if John Gonzalez had spent like like 15,000 words and multiple podcasts <laughs> talking about how the Sixers were going to hire Daryl Morey and all the people they were interviewing and then just Elton Brand was hired at the end. You know, that would have like I, I don't know if John's job would be in jeopardy, but I got to imagine you wouldn't have been very happy. Um, honestly it's just a microcosm of everything we're doing every day which is we look at something that on paper we're pretty sure that we love and then we examine it too closely <laughs> and we're like is this good yeah well, is, are we sure this is good yeah it's that is the ringer so you know for better and worse okay danny do you have any 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 uh take on the biggest uh, or most shocking reveal of the season i mean of the episode i mean i'm not upset that like our theories were completely off i mean many of them were directly opposed to one another i think the issue is just I just wanted it to make sense. And I think as much as we deep dive into all these small details of like, what's the address on this? And what's these small background of what's the ID number in this screenshot? The season finale is supposed to snap everything into place. And because if nothing else, it gives you the assurance that the people who you invested all this time into who are making this, the people knew what they were doing. Yeah. And when I watched this episode, I did not have the feeling the people who were writing this, again, 97% of the people who worked on this did a great job. The 3% who told the story, I don't think, I did not have confidence when the credits rolled that they knew what they were doing. It so only listen. affirmed that after the credits when a character died, which is actually my vote for the most shocking reveal. I don't know if that's ever been done in television. After a cr- the credits <laughs> roll, one of the three biggest characters in, this, in the series dies. Because uh, I think just a classic over, what is more overthinking than nobody being able to point out to them, hey, that should probably be before the credits roll. Kill the main character, the most famous person in the series, before you roll the credits. And people get up to go pee because this was 63 minutes. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> Just saying. Yes, I'm not going to tell any bad jokes about like actors that died off screen, but uh, <laughs> I do. I, I to take... Everything I agree with everything you said, but to take the show on its own terms, or to try, or to try to take it at face value, and let's set aside the post-credit sequences because those are their own thing; those are spinning the show forward. It's clear to me that the reveal, the biggest reveal of the show—I well, don't know if it's clear. I believe that the writers, that the creative team, thought that the big reveals were one that Dolores knew Caleb from Westworld, which I'm not sure why that couldn't have been a reveal way earlier in the season i mean it didn't seem to have a ton of weight although having seeing dolores's face there in boot camp world was a good visual and also that like dolores's plan all along was that the virus was going to be inside her i don't know if that's right the second one's right but that's clearly what they thought the big reveals were i'm not sure that either of those really had the power to hold together the whole season though so anyway um I, uh, I, I'm going to decline to give that award out this, uh, this episode. Award number two for best quote or monologue. Do you know now who you've been talking to? Danny, do you have a, do you have a, a nominee here? I mean, the, I laughed the most at 
when Dolores said, Maeve, I don't want to fight you. And she said, I can see why. I just thought that was funny. But the 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 Dolores scene where she's telling Caleb, Caleb rebuilds her and, and Dolores says, the people who built both of our worlds shared one assumption, that people don't have free will. That's what I thought when I first came here. They were wrong. Free will does exist, Caleb. It's just fucking hard. I thought that was both kind of poignant and also hilarious that the show had worked so hard to get to that point but also didn't show any of Dolores's process to getting there which would have been the most interesting part of the series is Dolores learning that instead she just comes as Sean said like this Christ-like figure who has this like knowledge from above when the whole show is about really just experience and learning from failing countless times I think it's interesting we just never saw that moment and of all things to be a twist the show has never done like learning hard lessons as a plot twist and I, I thought that that was correct. And so I think it actually makes it worse that the choice they made to of how they revealed that I just thought was um, I thought it was the best quote of the episode, but also just kind of made me upset more that I thought about it. A little bit weird that eight episodes in, she's still comparing everything to her experience. Like, I kind of feel like Caleb would take the message a little bit better if she was just talking about him and not about her creators. But anyway, Sean, do you have a favorite quote? I liked one that you grabbed here, which is the showdown between Maven and Dolores and I don't want to fight you and I can see why. And I think this, there's a little bit of a missed opportunity in the show to create this like lady Snowblood approach to telling Maeve's story. And I wish that she was just like a katana wielding mm-hmm. killer through more of six, seven and eight. And the show had a chance to do work in genre that we talked about in episode five and I just the, that scene epitomized what I had wished some of her story was this year. Um, I like that, too. My, I mean, my my favorite quote was from that same showdown where where Maeve says you want to populate the whole world with copies of you. And Dolores says you're all copies of me, which is yeah. I loved it because it was true. It was a true and very clear and very I mean, very obvious thing that like literally had never crossed my mind in all this discussion about Dolores recreating herself. It's just like a very simple thing that actually made me go like, oh, yeah, okay, that's great. Um, all right, last award for this episode and for the season. The This Maze Was Not Meant For You Award for the Dumbest Human. Um, uh, what, what humans did we get? Uh, William's financial advisor from the, the guy, lobby the guy bar. didn't ask about the blood all over William's clothing when they were talking. That, yeah. that, that's up there. The police officer who let Caleb steal the helicopter? He's just like, hey, guys, stop him. All the <laughs> cops who just did not protect the helicopter. The, I mean, they were standing outside that thing for like 25 seconds. First of all, way easier to steal a helicopter than you would think. You'd think there's a key card, some kind of idea. Nothing. He just gets in. It's like an Uber. It already knows where he wants to go for some reason. And there's a bunch of police around. And somehow he just stands in front of Dilly Dallies and just flies away. It's kind of amazing. Um, We could talk about... Ash and Giggles, they were wonderful, but like, you know, this is, I'm not sure what their, what their goal is here and just getting shot. I mean, I guess they want to help incite the rest of the, incite this riot too, uh, or the, the apocalypse. Um, there was Sirox crony, uh, who showed up to a fight with, uh, against Caleb with just the Garrett. Just, he was like, I'm just going to choke you out. I mean, I'm so glad you put this in here. I don't, I mean, that was, that was just very old school movie bad guy. Um, and also to jump in ahead of when Maeve was apparently like right there, like just like yep. five steps behind. I'm not exactly sure uh, what happened there. Um, we could also put Sirac in this category. He had a lot of, he talked a lot of game. Uh, and then at the end, it was just like, 
he was so preoccupied with finding this key that he didn't he, he lost the plot entirely almost literally um i don't know sean who's your who who is the dumbest human for you this episode uh i'll let you i'll let you provide the real answer uh which you've helpfully placed at the end of the outline for this question <laughs> but i think that Sirak, the Sirak was very nimble about avoiding danger uh, throughout this entire series, in part because of the hologram trick and because of knowing where everybody was going to be at any given time. I found the James Bond villain esque conclusion of the Sirak story, you know, in front of, uh, but right just before Dolores's quote unquote death, to be like some of the most confusing and s- silly stuff in the show like the lights going out and there being a hail of gunfire but not being able to see the action and not knowing why Sirak was physically present for that when he didn't have to be because he wasn't physically present for so many other significant moments in the show (laughs) um you know the that was just confounding and the idea of being in a room with Dolores and Maeve and Caleb all at the same time and not thinking that that could go sideways that just seemed like one of the dumbest things that that a, a, a globe conquering mastermind would be able to avoid so i'm going Sirac. i have a di- i think that's a great point i have a different answer mm-hmm. i think i get the award <laughs> i think i'm the dumbest person i think this maze is not meant for me uh I, I i had a lot of theories about this season uh i was pretty confident there was going to be a simulation i was confident um little things like you know caleb would talk to his mom one more time i was confident in big things like oh i don't know there was going to be an actual I thought Rehoboam was going to have goals and motivations. Nope. I thought there was going to be a simulation. I thought there was going to be a, a lot more than there was. Uh, and I was wrong about all that stuff. I, I, a lot of this show for me has been kind of like being a fan of this show. It, it, it's no matter who you are, it's there are people in your life who don't understand why you watch the show. So if you bring more people into the show, it's kind of like you're bringing a friend to a party and the friend doesn't really know anyone there. And you're not really hoping the friend is a great time. You're just hoping the friend doesn't embarrass you. Uh huh. <laughs> and every week, the, as sh- the first half of the season, the show was crushing it at the party. Star of the party. It was doing great. Everyone was like, wow, I got to meet this guy. And then by the end of this finale, when the credits rolled, I just felt like the friend had gotten so drunk and thrown up all over the couch and had just made a complete mockery of everything. Wait, are you the friend or are you the person bringing the I'm friend the to the party? I'm the person who brought the friend to the party. So that was, yeah. So you're the dumbest human for bringing him. Yeah, I think the real dumbest human. I'm going to give it to Sirac too, because uh, first of all, I love you, Danny, and I'm not going to let you uh, talk so terribly about yourself. But also, um, this was a big. This was a big Sirac season, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, he got outwitted, he got outplayed, and uh, he should have seen it coming. Especially someone with a crazy computer brain at his disposal like he had. All right, guys, that's it. That's the end. That's the end of Westworld Season 3. The recapables Westworld. Uh, it was going to be back one more time. One more time this coming Wednesday for Tinfoil Tuesdays, your Wednesday tradition, to dissect all the theories and crazy stuff coming out of this episode. If you want to email us, please do. We're at the recapables Westworld at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought. We're going to do all reader mail. We're going to try to get through as much of anything left, all these any threads left dangling as we can. And then after that, uh, we'll see you in like uh, 2058 when season four drops of the show. Thank you, (laughs) Sean, for coming on today. You did an incredible job helping me make sense of this episode. 
Thanks for having me, guys. And thanks for doing such a great job with the show this season. I appreciate it. Oh, that's nice. And thank you, Danny, um, for being my partner in Rico crime. Yeah, we'll try to focus on the beauty. Uh, We are going to be back one more time. So our heartfelt goodbye on the Westworld countryside will happen in just a few days. Uh, Thank you to our producer, Bobby Wagner. Thank you to our researcher in chief, Daniel Chen. Uh, We'll see you back here later this week, Humanoid. 